You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Have you always wanted to hear the hockey stories told from the press box? For your premier source of hockey prospect news from across the AHL, NCAA, Canadian Hockey League, and international leagues, this is your all-access pass to The Press Zone, a hockey podcast packed with news, analysis, interviews, and entertainment featured on AHLReport.com. Your hosts, Amy Johnson and Rick Stevens, are experienced, credentialed hockey reporters bringing you stories built from strong connections throughout the hockey community and from inside rinks all across North America. Welcome to The Press Zone. Well, hello there, Flyers fans, Philly fans. How are you today? Welcome to this week's episode of The Press Zone Philadelphia right here on Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. This is episode 225 of The Press Zone. Uh, We are a proud affiliate of the Hockey Podcast Network. Big thanks to those fine folks over there. And of course, a big thank you to our sponsor, DraftKings. Uh, You'll be hearing from them in a bit. If you're a new user, we've got some great perks for you, uh, courtesy of DraftKings, so you don't want to miss that. That's coming up soon. Um, But first, allow me to make some introductions. Uh, I am your host and also the lead correspondent here at the AHL. AHL Report. My name is Amy Johnson, and I'm joined in the studio each and every week by my wonderful co-host. He is our editor-in-chief and founder here at Rocket Sports Media, and he is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing great, thanks. Yeah. Uh, even Yeah, even better after a successful fantasy football victory. I should... I should... I should have a better response ready to, for that. In it's our ESPN terrible. league with our with our, our Philly friends. That's right. Um, yeah, it was. Uh, and you hung back all weekend long. Let me get comfortable. Let me feel safe. And then, bam. The Monday night game. Pounced in there. Having three uh, uh, Buffalo Bills players. One by like a point. <laughs> it, was, it was a point <laughs> or 16. Who's counting? A point-ish, you know. Uh-huh. So rude. So rude. I, I felt really bad because... No, you didn't. You haven't won yet in that league. I haven't, which is... It's humiliating. I, I'm i in four fantasy football leagues. Uh, one of them, in a 12-team league, I'm riding second place really well. I was I went 4-0 to start the season. I'm doing really well. Uh, another one, I'm kind of like middle of the pack. A third one, uh, struggled with, had a bad draft. Uh, but the ESPN League, I zero and what are we five six? Six, yeah. Yeah, I like I can't. You could you have had a little mercy? <laughs> could you have had some pity? I Come could. I, I could. Yeah, right. I, I didn't, but I could. About as much sympathy as the entire city of Philadelphia has for Ben Simmons right now, uh, which is a 76ers reference, which I know we're not here to talk about basketball, but holy. 
crap, what a mess that is. Glad that we're here to talk about the other team that plays at the Wells Fargo Center and not the Sixers. Uh, We are here to talk about the Flyers and, of course, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. And that's what we're going to do today. In our first segment, we're going to talk about the Flyers opening weekend. Uh, Boy. Were they kind of all over the map? A little scary to start things out in in game one, but man, did they make up for it in game two uh, against the Seattle Kraken. We're going to talk about that, as well as uh, one young man who kind of made an impression uh, on on fans with his uh, NHL debut over the weekend. And then in our second segment, of course, we're going to go down to Allentown, talk about the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, who also opened their regular season give you a little uh, view of what's happening there. But the big attraction for today's show is that we have none other than the one and only Ian LaPerriere, brand new head coach for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. He'll be joining us on the show today uh, as our special guest. We're going to talk to him about prospect development, his philosophy on that, whether it's, you know, learning lessons or winning games, uh, what he wants the team's identity to be, what it's been like for him, the team of coaches that he's assembled and put together for this first season of him behind heading up the bench uh, at the AHL level. It's it's a great interview. It's in the second segment. You're not going to want to miss it. Uh, and then, of course, Rick, in the third segment, we're going to go around the AHL and our good friend Patrick Williams is back on the show today for a new edition of the AHL hot stove. Uh, We're going to talk about stories from across the league uh, that happened over the course of opening weekend for the AHL season. So it's a packed show today. Sure is. Uh, So let's get it started with those Philadelphia Flyers opening weekend hashtag bring it to broad. That is the new, uh, the new slogan for the Flyers this season. Uh, gritty is already as some I saw someone say on Twitter. Gritty is already in midseason form. Uh, I don't even I I lost count of how many cakes he smashed into people's faces over the course of of the weekend. Um, not the best showing against Vancouver. Uh, I think everyone took a collective <gasps> gasp at Carter Hart's performance in the second period of that game. But then um, I think that's where we saw a little bit of Carter Hart growth because he locked it in. Um, Claude Giroux called for the puck, wired it home to tie the game, force overtime, and Carter Hart was was pretty spectacular in overtime as well. So... Um, little scary, little reminiscent of last season, which everyone is trying really hard to forget, but uh, but but came out okay. They got a point out of it, which which was uh, it wasn't looking so good that they'd be able to do that. But then, oh my goodness, last night, Seattle Kraken come to town for the first time ever. And the Flyers put a literal hurting on them. Oh my goodness. And we're chirping Dave Hackstall. The crowd chanting Hackstall uh-huh. was priceless. <laughs> that was Carter Hart was locked and loaded. Carter Hart looked good. Uh Giroux and and uh was it Alexiak? No, it wasn't Alexiak. Bastion. Giroux and Bastion going at each other. Nate Thompson didn't like that. Nate Thompson tosses everything and and tossed Bastion later in the game. Nick Sealer call up from from Lehigh Valley comes out of nowhere and goes toe to toe with Alexiak tosses a ref out of the way and absolutely roars to fire up the crowd I mean it was oh and there were goals and goals and goals and goals uh wow was that an exciting game to watch 
We're seeing, and and that's league-wide, we're seeing a lot of goals scored, a lot of goals given up. Uh, there are just a lot of goals to to, to for the opening weekend. And I, I think you're going to see that with the Flyers as, as well. Um, you're going to need some patience. Um, you're going to need to calm yourself with respect to Carter Hart. Uh, he's going to have some great nights. He's going to have some uneven nights he's he's uh there are things that he's still working on not only his you know a lot of people talked about his his uh emotional level and his mental approach to the game but he's got some mechanical things uh, that he's working on as well and uh but last night that wasn't an issue at all um he looked like the promised goaltender and and the uh flyers brought their offense and uh it was and uh, uh gritty was uh, in fine form it was uh yeah it was it was quite a, a spectacle it was uh looking forward to seeing if they can if they can keep that up um boston's up next martin jones is going to face his former team uh in net that'll be that'll be interesting uh we'll see what happens i mean it was it was a physical game rasmus ristolainen is is slated i believe to to debut uh in the next game and he even said he was ready to come out of his seat up in the up in the suite and get down there on the ice and start throwing some fists (laughs) when he saw what was happening last night so uh really entertaining um i'm already sick of the new goal song Mm. I was really pulling for Tarzan Boy, and I'm. I like. I mean, I, it's a good problem to have when you score six goals in a game that you're already tired of hearing the goal song. But we'll see how long that stays popular. Um, you, you can do the Buffalo Sabers approach, and that was each, tremendous. Yeah, each player has their own goal song. I love it. I'm all for it. Like and, baseball, they get their own at they they get their own walk up yeah. walk up songs. So yeah. why not have personalized goal songs? I love it, love it. It's very good. Um, we mentioned Nick Sealer, uh, certainly won over fans. Another one that that really caught some attention during training camp was Max Wellman, and and Max Wellman had a had a pretty standout season for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms last year. He's a great story. You know, he was NCAA route and then uh, found himself on the ECHL roster in Reading uh, and did a did a decent job there, earned himself a call up to the Phantoms, did so well with the Phantoms, earned himself an AHL contract, did so well last season that he earned himself an NHL two-way contract. So he's really, uh, you know, he's an older player. I shouldn't say older, but he's he's, you know, 26 27 um but really making his own case and and putting in the perseverance everybody's path to the nhl is a little different um and he was very noticeable in training camp and sure enough uh prior to the season opener on friday he was recalled from the phantoms and made his nhl debut it was just a great story um and he didn't look out of place uh no quite honestly, uh, in either of the two games that he played. He he was reassigned to the Phantoms uh, as of today, so he'll be back in the Lehigh Valley lineup later on this week. But uh, just uh, congratulations on to Max Wellman on realizing a dream. Uh, when you're that age and you've come through the ECHL route, um, I'm sure at some level deep in the deep in your thoughts, you wonder if you'll ever get to the NHL. And uh, he did so and and performed well. And so congratulations to him. Uh, we are going to take a quick break. On the other side, Ian LaPerriere joins us right here on the Press Zone. You don't want to miss it, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. NFL fans, hungry for a big win this week? Well, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. 
New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win with promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum of $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. And welcome back to the Press Zone Philadelphia right here on the AHL Report and Rocket Sports Media. Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my wonderful co-host, Rick Stevens. Uh, and make sure you follow us on Twitter. Uh, Rick, actually, uh, you can find him at All Habs if you're a Montreal Canadiens fan or if you want to jeer them as well. <laughs> he does all of our uh, Montreal Canadiens coverage, uh, and you can find him at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. Don't worry, all of the Canadiens fans do the same thing with me in return. They give me all the plenty of jeers as well. Um, and uh, also make sure you're following at the AHL Report. That's the best place to find all of our coverage on the AHL and the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. You don't want to miss any of that. And... One more thing that we'll add, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast uh, because you don't want to miss days like today where we have very special guests that we're going to welcome onto the show. We've got Ian LaPerriere coming up here in just a minute. Uh, we've got Patrick Williams later on in the show today. We've got two great guests today. Uh, and, uh, you know, if you want to hear exclusive interviews from players and coaches that you're not going to hear anywhere else, then you want to be subscribed to the Press Zone. So just make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit the notifications so that you always know when there's a new episode ready to go. Well, not only has the regular season gotten underway full force for the Philadelphia Flyers, but uh, the Lehigh Valley Phantoms have also started their regular season as well down there in Allentown at the PPL Center. And Rick and I are very, very pleased to welcome to the show today for the first time, but hopefully not the last, uh, the new head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, Mr. Ian LaPerriere. Ian, thanks so much for joining us today. Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I want to ask you first and foremost about kind of uh, something that's a bit of breaking news uh, as as we record this, and that is uh, prior to the Flyers playing their season opener, their home opener, uh, a number of your players got uh, their first recall up to the NHL club, including one Max Willman, uh, who listeners will will know had a had a tremendous season with the Phantoms last year worked his way into an AHL contract from being a predominantly ECHL player and now looks to make his NHL debut uh, for the Flyers this weekend. Can you just talk a little bit about your reaction from a coach's standpoint of how exciting that is for a player like Max Willman and just what your your 
outlook on Max Wellman, Max Wellman from what you've seen from him in, in camp so far has been? Uh, it's a great story. You just said, like, he started in the East Coast League last year, you know, got an AHL contract, NHL contract, and uh, uh, he's just a worker. You know, I saw him all summer in Boris. He, he trained there all summer, and he goes a long way with the Flyers. If you do spend your time there, it will, you know, you'll be on their mind when it's time to uh, make a, a, when it's time to call a player up. And I uh, give him credit. He was there every day, trained with the, the NHL players, was on the ice, off the ice, and He's getting rewarded, but he's, he's just, um, you know, I just start coaching him so far. I just have a great, um, you know, great feel about him. He's just uh, one of those kids that listens to you, wants to be coach. He's coachable. And for me, as a new head coach, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see, you know, I, I hope all the guys are like him, but uh, I'm just happy he's getting rewarded for all the work he put in. Absolutely. It is. It's, it's quite a story. Um, want to ask you about two other uh, names who are on your roster right now, um, Morgan Frost and Isaac Ratcliffe. Uh, first with Morgan, um, he's, he's of course gone through this cycle more than once of, of trying very hard to, to make the opening night roster for the Flyers and, and ending up kind of going through the back and forth of, of going down to the AHL, back up to the NHL. Um, but it seems that he's had uh, more of a, a growth in his maturity and confidence and, you know, potted two pretty crucial goals for you there in that in that uh, game two preseason. Uh, so just first for Morgan, what what are you seeing as as his reaction to coming down to the Phantoms again and, and his outlook for for getting back up with the big club? Well, you know, like every kid or anybody who gets sent down to meet or you know they're disappointed and i get it but uh, uh morgan knows that he you know he didn't play much hockey in the past year he had a shoulder surgery and uh, he needs to play big minutes and i told him if he plays in my structure and the way i want to play he's going to play big minutes and that's what we did against woodsbury you know he played he played you know he played a good game played the right way and that's why he uh he played the minutes that he had and uh, he's, he, he had a big game in that game and uh it's again for for Frosty for me he needs to play he didn't play much and he needs to get his game back uh, where it was before he got injured he's a talented kid you know future is bright for him he just need to do the little things right we all know he's got great skills we all know he can make plays but he needs to do the little things that the NHL coaches are looking for on the on the other the second half of that question for Isaac Ratcliffe you know we've spoken to him a number of times over the past year or so and he always talks about how his focus isn't so much on how many points he's putting up but more about improving the small details of his game how well do you think he has progressed with that yes he's a you know he's a big man he's got a long reach and he needs to use that as a, as an advantage and it look a lot like frosty he needs to take care of those little details in the game that the AV is looking for. And uh, again, he's just a um, talented kid, was a junior who scored a lot of goals, but to play at the next level, sometimes, you know, you not sometimes, you need to do the little things right. And it's, he's not the first one, he won't be the last one, same with Frosty, that needs to spend some time in the AHL to, to just, uh, you know, get better at those little areas. Just like, you know, stick, stick protection, uh, yeah, board work and, uh, you know, going on the four check with good sticks and, you know, doing the little things right that uh, player, uh, head coaching, head coaches in the NHL are looking for. 
when we spoke to you earlier in the summer, uh, when it was announced that you were being named the new head coach for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, you had talked a lot um, at that time about um, being excited about learning more about the American League and, and the importance of when you assembled your coaching staff. Uh, that you really wanted to surround yourself with guys who had a, a number of different types of experience at this level. Mm -hmm. um, so now that you're about to embark on the regular season, what's your what's your feeling about uh, the the team that you have pulled together and and how effective as a group you you will be from behind the bench? Well, I'm very happy. I'll be honest with you. Like, you know, I, I interviewed a bunch of guys this summer and uh, you never know. And, and I heard those three guys and you never know until until you get to work again. You don't know if we're going to gel and if we're going to connect right away. And uh, we had a chance to work together in the rookie camp and we spent over the summer. We, we met over the summer. And after that, we, we ran the rookie camp for the Flyers and it went well. And we're just, we're keeping learning and, you know, on one and another. But uh, so far, like, you go from uh, Bill Downey, you get uh, Riley Armstrong, and you get Jason Smith. Jason played a long time, was captain of two teams in the NHL. He's got a little bit of experience. He's more like a calm guy, quiet guy. You get Riley Armstrong, the younger guy, who's very he's got a lot of energy, which is great. And Billy's got so much knowledge, and especially AHL knowledge and hockey knowledge, that uh, I, I couldn't ask for a, a better crew for sure. I just wanted to uh, ask you about your your development um, philosophy. You've been involved in in player development for for quite some time, and you hear, uh, especially at the AHL level, you hear people talking about that that they'd like players to to develop in a winning environment. And um, we know it's not that it's not that straightforward. There's a bit a bit of a balance so that. You know, if if it's the end of the game and and uh, you got a key faceoff coming out, it's easy to send out a, an AHL veteran and and a guy that you can count on for faceoffs. But but you'll miss the the opportunity to give a bit of experience to uh, to a prospect. So how do you, as as a coach, how do you balance that uh, at well, this level? I think it's working with those kids and uh, and making sure, you know, like you give them a chance to make a mistake. You know, it's mm -hmm. easy for me to say, oh, I'll send Cal O'Reilly because he's a he's a great player in this league. He's going to win face-off. I might send him, but I'll send Frosty with him. And if I, I'm going to ask Frosty to, to cheat maybe on the face-off if he does get kicked out or, you know, give him at least a chance to, um, to, to succeed. And for me, like I met with all those players individually, everybody from the youngest guy to the older guy, and my message is the same for everybody. If you do the work and you, you, you play in the structure and the style of play I'm trying to implement here in, in, uh, in Lehigh, you're going to play. But if you try to go out of your, you know, out of the structure, try to do your own thing, that's why I have a problem. That's where the ice time is going to drop and that's where the special team is going to drop. And it's the same thing for the kids. And uh, you were talking about winning. I'm a big believer on, you know, yes, I want to develop those kids guys to go to the next level but winning is part of development i don't want to come here and and lose every night and just be happy and uh, that the guys are getting better as, as puck handling i want to win and i want to put those kids in a good position to, to have our team succeed and uh, it's up to them like they're going to make my decision easy if they're going to stick to the structure and the style of play i'm, I'm trying to implement they're going to still be all the, and they're going to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong here. Like not because the structure, we, we try to teach them. You do make mistakes in there, but I can live with mistakes in the structure. One thing I can't live with, it's if they try to do their own thing and be on their own page 
and that's where I'm going to have a problem with a young guy or an older guy. It seems that over the summer, um, Chuck Fletcher made a, made some changes in the, the team dynamics, the team culture. And uh, AV this morning spoke about the need for, for heart and character in order to get through the ups and downs of a season. Um, is that something that, that you've, uh, you believe in in your locker room, having that uh, heart and, cult and character uh, uh, to, to get through the season? Yeah, I do, I do believe in that. And I ask my player, all the players, like individually and uh, as a team, like, you know, I, I want some pushback. I want guys to show character. It's not it's in everybody. It's not everybody who's got that little fire under them, but everybody can hold their eyes and have a little bit of pushback. And I'm not a big believer anymore in fighting. I don't think fighting is a huge part of the game anymore. I don't mind the fight where and there. Don't get me wrong here. But I'm not asking my players to fight. I'm just asking them to hold their eyes and make sure they don't get pushed around and make sure they, you know, that's, that's, that's character. You know, you look around the, in the past uh, 50 years, the, the teams that won cups, if it's the Calder cup or, or uh, the, uh, the Stanley cup, you do, they're all teams with character. You need that to win. And uh, I do have a lot of guys that can lead the way. And, uh, and my captain, Cal uh, Riley, you got, you got a guy like Garrett Wilson and, you know, you get the uh, Connor Bunneman. Those guys, you know, they do have a lot of experience and uh, they're going to lead the way in that, in that regard. Prospect development seems to be something that you've always come back to as, as being something that you're passionate about in, in your role in hockey. Can you talk a little bit about why, why working with young players and, and helping them improve themselves, improve their game, get to the next level? Why, why prospect development has been such an area of passion for you? It's something like, you know, when I retired, I, I started doing, I was doing player development with the Flyers and uh, it's something I, I get to like, you know, it's just a, that new generation, they want to learn, they want to know. It's, you know, when I played, they were like, you know, we didn't ask questions. Nobody, no, no young guy asked a coach a question. But now that generation, <laughs> they want, they, they're so true though. My first coach was Mike Keenan. Trust me, I never asked him a question. I just tried <laughs> to play the way, you know, no, no X and O's question, no uh, structures uh, question, no nothing of that. Now it's different, and I like that. I'm a, I'm a pretty uh, outgoing guy. I like to help people, and and those kids need help. And I, I know I, I get a lot of experience, you know, as a player and as a coach, and I know I can help them. And that's something that uh, get the fire under me. You say it's something that uh, I'm passionate about it, and. Uh, I just can't wait to get the season going and see uh, the results that, and again, it's a, it's a process. It won't, you know, those kids won't get better overnight, but it's just the repetition of showing them, talking to them and, and teaching them on the ice and they're, they're going to become better players uh, than they are right now. I, ju I just want to take you back a bit to uh, someone you cross paths with and, and that's Kelly Buckberger. Uh, you were mm -hmm. uh for uh, teammates together in, in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I just found it interesting that, you know, you, you both had long successful careers, more than a thousand games each. You've both been assistant coaches at the NHL level. You've both been involved. You mentioned player development. You've both been involved in player development. And this year uh, you've both kind of found your way behind the NAHL bench uh, for the first time. Uh, can you talk about, Kelly, I mean, you're, you're both character guys. Can you talk about Kelly as a teammate in the past you both took to the, to the NHL or to the great AHL? I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, great teammate, great uh, leader. I played with him in LA and it's funny because I played against him for years and 
I was always afraid of fighting him or something. And when I saw him the first day, he's so skinny. I'm like, oh my God, I can't <laughs> believe I was afraid of you. And we laughed about it. But he's just, uh, what I like about Bucky, he's a, he's a worker. He's at the rink. Uh, for, you know, he, he's not afraid of working. He was like that as a player. And he's like that as a coach. And um, I just have a lot of respect for him. He's, a, he's got a lot of knowledge. He played a long time, coached a long time. He's been around great, great leaders. And uh, I'm sure he's going to help the Rocket uh, become a better team just with his, his experience. And uh, he tried, you know, he, he was a head coach in, on the, in the West there for, uh, I think, Arizona's farm team. And, uh, you know, he, I think it's um, knowing him, I'm sure he's more comfortable being an assistant coach, you know, just to be able to be a little bit closer to the players. And uh, they're lucky to have him. He's a, he's a hell of a guy. He's a character guy. And I'm sure he's going to have a lot of success, hopefully not when we play against them. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure he's going to do great in, in Laval. So with the, uh, with the regular season just about to get underway, uh, and you've had just a very short time uh, in, in Phantoms training camp with, with your group, particularly with uh, very late cuts coming down from the NHL and so forth. So you've really had a very abbreviated time with them. Yeah. But even just the time that you've spent with them, uh, your outlook going into the season and, and what you see from the roster on paper, what, what from your standpoint as the, as the head coach is, do you feel the, the prospects are for, for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms for the season ahead? And, and what would you like this team's identity to be? Well, it's a it's a hardworking team. I'm, I'm I told them I want you know hardworking team and a detailed team. At the end of the day, I told all those guys like you know good teams. The difference between a good team and a great team it's the details inside the game. You know everybody can talk about the X and O's and uh, talk about uh, you know system passion, whatever, but if you're not detailed as a team, you won't win. You won't win the, the you know you might win a couple games here and there, but you know when I'm talking about details like. Uh, Obviously, respecting the system, uh, you know, the stick position, reloading inside the dot, stopping in the stopping points, not cheating. That's what I'm talking about details. And, you know, that's gonna, I'm going to preach on that all year. My coaches are going to preach on that all year. And uh, so far, I, I like to respond to the guys that when I'm watching, in, you know, in games after games, it's not perfect. We're in, we won one game out of four, but I see another positive thing. And again, it's going to be a process. We won't be perfect overnight and we'll never be perfect. Mistakes are a part of the game. But uh, as long as I see improvement, I'm going to be happy. You have to be uh, excited to get this season underway, particularly with fans back in the building. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I know the players are too. It's been a, it's been a long training camp for, for most of those guys. You know, you go back to the uh, development camp, the rookie camp, the main camp in Philly, and now my camp. And uh, they're just, you know, I'm sure they're tired of just camp, camp, camp. They just want to get going for the real season. And, and again, like you said, with fans, it's going to be special. I'm looking forward to it. Last year, we did have fun in, in Philly, but it wasn't uh, as many as they could have. But uh, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm sure the players, there's a lot of players that haven't played in two years in front of fans. Uh, you know, some of those players haven't played much. And uh, I'm sure they're excited to see uh, some fans in the, in, the, in, the, in the crowd for sure. Well, we know that you have a very busy schedule and we can't thank you enough for taking some time out to speak with, speak with us today. Uh, Ian LaPerriere, the head coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, we wish you uh, great success this season and we look forward to talking to you again. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you. I'm looking forward to talking to you guys again. Thank you.
I think we could safely say we could probably sit and chat with Ian LaPerriere for a much longer period of time than well, we he did. he did say call any time, so, you know. He did. Um, you know, this, this interview uh, was actually recorded late in the week last week prior to the first regular season game. And the reason I'm mentioning that is because, um, A, some fans might wonder why we didn't ask about what happened with Morgan Frost this weekend. We're going to get to that in a second. But I also say that because this was a we you heard us in this interview ask him about his philosophy on developing prospects. Do you take the mentality of developing in a winning environment and place an emphasis on winning being important? Which of course winning is important, but but you know what I mean. Or is is it that, you know, you're more inclined to uh, put a prospect in a in a precarious or, or high pressure situation as a learning tool. Um, and you heard his answer. You heard him say that, yeah, a little bit of both, but he does believe that good development happens in a winning environment. Um, first of all, I should say, Rick, we appreciate that he took uh, the time out to talk to us. It was a fascinating interview all around. For uh, sure. Really, and can't wait to have him back on the show again. He will be back on the show again. Um but I'm mentioning that because then what happened this weekend, so so the Phantoms went one for three uh, in the preseason, only won one of their four preseason games, and they are now 0-2 to start the season. They have not gotten a win in the regular season yet, and Morgan Frost in Hershey on Sunday found himself pasted to the bench for most of the third period. Uh, Ian LaPerriere not happy with his defensive play, uh, and... Um, apparently, and and sat him, benched him for most of the third period. And so um, when it came out that that was happening, of course, all, everyone was all up in arms. It's the Flyers' top prospect, and he's, you know, he's not out there. And then uh, at the end of the game, they're only down by one. Uh, they get a five-on-three, and then they pull the goaltender to get a very rare six-on-three at the end of the game, late, only down by a goal, and Morgan Frost stays pasted to the bench. Um, and so, of course, this created a huge controversy on Twitter. Everybody had opinions about the coach's decision and and his reasons for doing it and so on and so forth. But I want to reference it, Rick, because we just heard him talk about, you know, you asked him this question prior to this game and this situation happening, and he said one thing. He said, yes, you know, winning, winning is is a is a good way to develop and but I do want to put prospects out there in in pressure situations for learning lessons and here it is I mean he chose he he could have made the choice to put Morgan Frost out there on a six on three to try to tie the game and force overtime but he didn't he stuck to his guns he was obviously wanting to send a message to Morgan Frost and everyone else and that's what he did well um the example that I chose was was about faceoffs, about sending a, a prospect that uh, perhaps uh, you know is not as experienced, not as skilled with respect to faceoffs versus a uh, a veteran, and uh, and and how do you manage that? How do you manage that teaching versus winning uh, environment? And and uh, and. You heard how he answered that, but this is uh, this is kind of the reverse situation. It's not putting a prospect out that you know can help a situation that that you know has some uh, offensive talent, uh, and and in that way you're prior prioritizing uh, teaching a lesson um, and and uh, sacrificing winning. It's um, the opposite side of the coin, and and uh, he said. 
you know, you're going to play the right way. You're going to play my structure uh, or you're not going to play. And, uh, uh, you know, he, he certainly uh, followed up uh, those words. Uh, he meant those words. Um, and, and he's a very proud guy. He's a very competitive guy who likes to win. Uh, so you know how important this was, uh, for him to get the point across that, that you're going to play my structure or you're not going to play. That's right. And we heard him, we heard him use that word structure multiple times in this interview that we just did with him. Um, and, and yeah, so, I mean, message was sent. It's only game two. I, I get that. Yeah. You'd love to get the win, but for this coach, it was obviously more important to get his point across. Um, and uh, I have to respect that. Mm-hmm. Um, would I be able to stick to my guns and, and make that same decision and, and see it all the way through, particularly when that six on three opportunity presents itself? I don't know. Um, and and I, I, I honestly can't say. And that's why he's a coach and I'm not, um, you know, but it's 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 interesting how that all played out. Um and that we had gone pretty deep into this question with him just days prior to this whole situation with Morgan Frost happening. So it actually ended up being very timely. Um, and uh, again, fascinating interview. We thank Ian so much for for coming on the show. Lappy will be back. He did say there at the end, call me anytime. And, he, and he, we, we spoke again later. He meant that he will be back on the show. Uh, and uh, we look forward to that for sure. So yes, uh, you know the 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 Phantoms have not won yet in the regular season. They're only two games in. They've got their home opener coming up this weekend, so hopefully they can turn that around. Uh, Max Willman coming back down. Uh, Igor Zamula uh, was activated off of IR from the Flyers today. He has also been sent down to the Phantoms. So getting some pieces back that could help them get in the win column this weekend, uh, and uh, it'll be fun. It'll be excuse me, it'll be exciting. uh, And uh, we're looking forward to that for sure. Uh, One other thing we should mention, Rick, is that they have announced who the captains are going to be for the Phantoms. They have? Uh, No surprise that Cal O'Reilly returns as the captain. uh, And uh, no better choice on the team. Cal O'Reilly did a phenomenal job as the captain last year, uh, as well as being part of the rotating uh, captaincy the year prior to that. Uh, Just a very solid character guy, good veteran, good mentor, uh, and and really, you know, walks the walk and talks the talk both on and off the ice. So great, great choice to keep him uh, in the organization. But you were pleased to see uh, who his two alternates are. Connor Bunneman being one of them. And and uh, listen, I've always been an advocate for, for Bunneman um, since watching him uh, in his junior career with Kitchener Rangers. Um, he was captain in his final year in junior of, of the Rangers. And when we've spoken to him, he's always presented himself as, as a very mature, thoughtful guy and the kind of guy, guy that, uh, players can get behind. And, and, uh, I saw him as, as, uh, a leader and, and obviously, uh, Ian LaPerriere did too. Uh, and he's been named one of the alternate captains. Absolutely. He's uh, also joined by Garrett Wilson, who, again, last year played a great leadership role on the team. Uh, It's great to see him back in that role. He actually, uh, you know, stuck around uh, the NHL Flyers training camp uh, longer than some may have may have expected. That could have been due to to some injuries that the Flyers are are obviously dealing with. But he stuck around and and certainly uh, he he was noticeable for some good reasons. And so uh, who knows? He may see a call up at some point, but good to see him with an A. Uh, this year as well. So congratulations to the leadership group for the Lehigh Valley Phantoms this season. We are looking forward to seeing 
and celebrating uh, your first win as a team this season. And I'm sure LaPerriere will be <laughs> will be pleased when that happens as well. We are going to take one last quick break. On the other side, we've got another guest. Patrick Williams joins us for a new edition of the AHL Hot Stove. And we are going to talk about all of the really fun stories that came out from around the hockey uh, American Hockey League this past opening weekend. So you don't want to miss it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. The Press Zone is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. And welcome back to the Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report. Uh, Once again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And don't forget, you can follow us at the AHL Report for all of your Laval Rocket and Lehigh Valley Phantoms and AHL News, uh, as well as at the Press Zone, if you'd like to follow this podcast. Uh, Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, You've heard some great exclusive interviews from from uh, AHL head coaches these last couple of weeks. Uh, you heard Patrick, uh, you're about to hear Patrick Williams, uh, who joins us every other week uh, for the AHL Hot Stove. You don't ever want to miss an episode, so make sure you head uh, to the thepresszone.fm, choose whichever podcast player you whatever platform you prefer, hit subscribe or just look down to the player that you're listening to this to right now. Make sure that you are subscribed. And uh, we'll be glad to welcome you back each and every week. Um, let's first just before we bring Patrick in, we should mention uh, that 
now that we are back to the regular season with the AHL, uh, it means that this week there is the very first AHL player of the week uh, for for this season. Are we shocked that it's from the Syracuse Crunch? <laughs> they do a good job. Should we they be do, shocked? They do a pretty good job. <laughs> they do a pretty good job. Well, Jimmy Huntington is uh, a forward who plays for the Syracuse Crunch. He's actually a Laval native, uh, but plays for the Crunch and, uh, you know, had two games this weekend and uh, scored a hat trick and another goal on top of that. So four goals, two games, not a bad way to start the season. Not bad at all. Particularly given that in his 61 career AHL games prior to that, he only had five goals across the span of those 61 games. So he almost matched that. <laughs> now, he, he had some uh, offensive production in his junior career in, mm-hmm. in the queue um, with Ramuski, 40 goals in 66 games uh, his last uh, season there. So uh, it's there. Um, and somehow uh, the Syracuse... Crunch managed to get that out of him over the first opening weekend. That's great. Hopefully that continues for him. So congratulations to Jimmy Huntington on being named the very first AHL Player of the Week for the 2021-22 season. Well, we had a fantastic under-review article from our good friend Patrick Williams uh, last week on the AHL Report website. And not only should you go check that out if you missed it, but that also means that this week is an AHL Hot Stove Week where Patrick joins us on the show. So, Patrick, uh, welcome. Uh, great for you to be here, and I hope you survive the opening weekend of the AHL. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's a little disorienting because, you know, on one hand, you're in a very familiar place, right? Like, you know, been doing this for years and years, and you're kind of back in your, your, you know, natural habitat. And yet you're also kind of not because it is different. So, um, somebody redecorated the house. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, wait, where, you know, where's everything? Um, so it's different in that regard for sure. So it's a lot of kind of like feeling your way through the dark and, just getting used to things again. I mean, because you did have last season, um, and everything that that entailed, but that was such a different experience from anything, mm-hmm. um, you know, before, hopefully after. And, um, yeah, you're, you're just, you know, open night is always a little strange in general. It's always like, it's kind of always like the first day of school when you're a kid <laughs> and it's amplified that much more now just because so much is different. Sure. So you were in the building at uh, Giant Center in Hershey uh, mm-hmm. for the Hershey Bears to welcome the Charlotte Checkers uh, for Hershey's season opener. What was what was the the vibe and the energy like in the building? Um, pretty good. It, the vibe was though. It did seem like it's. I guess it almost some fans were sort of uh, out of shape. <laughs> Almost in their fandom, you know, they haven't done this in, in you know, what, 19 months, yeah. and, you know, kind of, you know, you, you still know how to do it, but you kind of like have to get back on track and get used to it again. So, so the wave yeah, was a little different in that disco- regard, uncoordinated. Sure. The, wave, yes. the wave was, yeah. They, they weren't banging Not on glass in, in their living rooms. <laughs> yes it's a good way to put it so it, it's different on that that regard i mean um 
you know, uh, I think the players, it was also, that was also another factor. I mean, Hershey had, a, you know, I think 1,200 fans matched last season. So, and that's, that's a big building. You, you both know you've been there. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, yeah, there's fans in the building last season, but it, it really actually, for all intents and purposes, felt empty. Um, I mean, you know, when you hear the national anthem and then you sort of, you're, accustomed to hearing clapping at the end and you just kind of hear a few random claps <laughs> it's a very very weird experience and certainly you hear the players on the ice talking I and mean, i heard referees and coaches going back and forth last season um so i think the players had some of it somewhat of an adjustment period as well um um certainly in some cases like you know charlotte was the opponent so like they didn't play any preseason games um you know some of their players had played NHL preseason either with Seattle or Florida, but um, for the players who didn't, I mean, in some cases, this was their first time playing in front of fans in a year and a half. So uh, I just noticed, yeah, a little bit like that, like a little bit of uh, maybe nerves or a little bit of hesitation at first for players. And then I think as they got used to it, once again, they eased into it and mm-hmm. uh, seemed to adjust, but it's different. Yeah, there's no, no question. Um, <laughs> It's not the AHL that we left in March 2020. Exactly. Well, so we've talked about this in a in a previous AHL hot stove segment, talking about um, you know the three of us discussed the the what ifs and and you know how how contingent this season is on the AHL's health moving forward and would fans come back would they Rick you had you had brought up would they would they want to um return to to leaving their homes and going back out to the rink or you know will will fans be kind of rabidly waiting to get back in the building so we saw kind of both ends of the spectrum this weekend um Rick, you know, Laval had fantastic numbers. We saw images from from them uh, for their home opener on Friday night all across the league. But then you also found some numbers that were at the kind of opposite end of the spectrum from that, too. Well, uh, Laval had had great attendance uh, in their their home opener, uh, 8,609 fans officially. Um, they opened the the upper bowl, which uh, they don't do, um, uh, you know, as I very often and and there was good energy uh christie was was there in the building and uh and said uh, there was really good energy um and and but you know all that's that's good news um but uh but lavelle has you know they've been in the top 10 12 uh for attendance the past few years and when you go back to uh, a normal year uh, what we'd consider a normal year, the 2019-20 uh, season, uh, Laval's average attendance was was around 6,400 uh, a game, and um, so you might expect for an opening night that uh, that they would have you know a, a couple thousand more, especially opening the the upper bowl. So I think it's too early. It's it's good news. It's good news to see the the fans back in the building. It's good news to see them excited. Um, and, uh, but it's too early to say exactly what it, what it means. Right. And now Patrick, they weren't the only ones that had, had really high, uh, numbers. Grand Rapids and someone else also had some pretty impressive, uh, attendance numbers this weekend, right? Yeah. Grand Rapids was 10,834, I want to say, uh, Cleveland, I think was up 
around nine, Providence was eight. So a lot of your, you know, traditional stronghold markets uh, really did well for themselves. Um, not so surprisingly um, in that that regard. I mean, they're, they've all been consistent performers. Uh, well, in Providence's case, uh, this is now they're going to their 30th season. So, I mean, mm. they're, they're, they're money in terms of attendance. So uh, Cleveland, one of the biggest success stories, I mean, it's, it's – that's always been kind of interesting for me. I remember the original, well, the, the reincarnation of the Cleveland Barons in the mid-2000s. And, you know, the attendance there was very, very weak. And then <clears throat> the new management came in there with the, with the basketball team and uh, really got that whole uh, market uh, turned around uh, dramatically. And uh, they've, they've been good ever since in that regard in, in terms of putting people to buildings. So... Grand Rapids also always a strong, uh, strong market. So, yeah, I mean, some of the markets you really expect to do well did well, uh, you know, not too surprisingly. But were there any markets that, you know, as we were wondering and curious about a few weeks ago as we talked about this, were there markets that indeed certainly definitely struggled to get fans back in the building on opening weekend? Well, yeah, I mean, that's one of the challenges, too. Like, let's say you, you take California, um, where there was Bakersfield opened, uh, Stockton opened, and Ontario opened this weekend. And uh, they're under uh, very heavy uh, restrictions right now in terms of vaccination requirements, uh, masking, um, testing for, for kids under the age of 12, uh, at least in one case. And remember, everything is also at a city, but also a state basis. You also sometimes have a, a county basis. So there's a, kind of a hodgepodge of um, different requirements and different um, parameters that teams are operating under. So it's going to be tough for them, I think, in the early going, trying to just um, do everything that it, it, that it entails to come back uh, after a year and a half hiatus uh, in terms of playing before fans. Um to do that and also do that uh, under the specter of uh, these restrictions and no one's saying the restrictions are bad. It's just, they are what they are and it's just something you have to deal with. It's, it's, it's another challenge. It's, you know, it's almost like the NFL in the sense, like that's a challenge that every team in, in hockey more or less has to deal with at this level because, you know, Sunday afternoons in the fall are tough sell for teams because you're competing against the NFL behemoth. Uh, so, you know, that's something you always have to factor in. And at least for now, for the early going, you're going to have to factor in some of these restrictions. So, um, yeah, yeah, there are some teams that definitely uh, had a had a tougher time than normal. Um, something we'll just have to keep an eye on, I think, in terms of um, how they manage that and, uh, you know, if and when those restrictions either soften or are lifted altogether. And for those Californian teams, uh Bakersfield, around 2,800. They had two games there, averaging 2,800. Ontario, California, 2,600 uh, 2, average. Uh, Stockton, averaging uh, 1,000 uh, a game uh, for this opening weekend. And uh, just by comparison, you go back again to that 2019-20 uh, season, um, our, our most recent that was normal, and Ontario was a really good draw mm-hmm. uh, that year. They were third in, in the league uh, with a, an average attendance uh, about 8,000 nightly. Uh, San Diego was fifth in the league that year, uh, 7,600. They haven't had a home game yet, so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But 
certainly those numbers have been affected um, early on in the season. For sure. And I think you look at, you know, like Ontario, I think they'll be okay uh, when all is said and done. I think uh, it's just a matter now of, Hey, reintroducing yourself to fans. You've been away for 18 or 19 months. Uh, and that's, that's a shame at all because you, you think back to March, 2020 and the lead was in a really, really good place. Uh, and I, I said this before, but, uh, I recall the 2020 all-star game in Ontario, California, um, very well supported by the fans that, that year. And, but also that was Dave Andrews final season. And, uh, traditionally that, uh, state of the lead address, there's a lot to deal with. And there's a lot of issues that you have to plow through and you know, they tend to run pretty long. And, um, that January, 2020, uh, session was, it was pretty short because there wasn't a whole lot of real problem spots on the map, uh, at that time. And then little did we know about six weeks later that, everything would change and um pretty much every day since then has been under the um the cloud of this uh pandemic so it did yeah i think it definitely did stall some teams momentum and um, it's gonna be it's a blow that was dealt and now it's their job to get themselves out of that that ditch and I'm pretty confident that they can, but it is, I think, going to take some time. Just, um, you know, and we've said this before. I mean, this is largely a fan base that relies on middle-class, working-class fans. A lot of those people have had some sort of financial um, upheaval in their personal lives or at least the possibility of financial upheaval. And um, and if they did have that, maybe they're still digging out of some of the uh, the the after effects of that. I mean, if you went six months without a job, without a paycheck, that's a lot of bills that piled up, and uh, you're still trying to find your way through that. So maybe there's not money right now in in, in the family budget for for hockey games. So it's just all these different factors that teams have to navigate through. I mean, it's all, it's a tough business in the best of times. Mm-hmm. Uh, minor league hockey, it's not not. You know, it's not an easy way to make money, um, but um, it's that much more challenging right now just with everything you have going on, you know, in your league, but also around you even more so. We're, we're talking about in-person viewing, uh, the, the attendance at the arenas, but we should also make note, and we don't have numbers for this, but that the AHL, AHL TV was free for the mm-hmm. opening weekend. So um, uh, there was uh, uh, a fair bit of discussion on social media, uh, maybe new fans uh, checking out their uh, AHL affiliate and getting a chance to, to view their uh, AHL team uh, via AHL TV. Mm-hmm. Well, and, yeah, just to second that point, I mean, uh, a lot of teams last season especially um, uh, developed local television deals, um, uh, you know, especially with teams that were not able to ha- have any fans. And some of them have carried those deals over into the season, which I think long term is a good move. Um, it does expose your product to a lot of different people. and um, But maybe in the short term, you know, if you're a fan and uh, you weren't 100% certain about coming out this past weekend and, and the game is on television, which was the case in Hershey, for example, maybe you decide, well, you know what, I'll stay home this weekend and sort of ease myself back into things, watch the game on television. Maybe, you know, in a week or two, I'll come out, you know, to a game. And so I think a lot of people are just kind of feel, feeling feeling their way through this and, um 
you know, people, people have different reactions. I mean, some people are, you know, full speed ahead. Um, others are a little bit more uh, hesitant, which I think is understandable. Um, we've all been through, you know, very uh, kind of, we hope, once in a lifetime experience. Um, so, I mean, I think there's definitely the, some of that uh, psychological, if that's the right word, you know, after effect or aftershock for a lot of people who have been through this. And a lot of people have uh, had some really difficult times. I mean, I was speaking with Roy Sommer, the head coach of the uh, San Jose Barracuda, very, uh, very outspoken uh, player, uh, coach. And um, he was, he was mentioning he had three very close friends pass away because of uh, coronavirus. So um, yeah, a lot of people have, you know, everybody's been affected in some way, but some people have been heavily affected. Mm-hmm. Um in this past uh, 19 months. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a lot of this is just going to be, it's, it's a, it's a path, long path back to normalcy. And I think, uh, this weekend was one more step in that path, but there's definitely still, uh, some ways to go, uh, before we hopefully get back to where things were left off in March, 2020. Absolutely. You know, it was a, it was a, a bright, spot uh, for the AHL to have the season opening in October like it typically does. Uh, It was certainly a bright spot for the three AHL franchises who didn't play last year, who opted out of the season due to COVID-19 restrictions and logistics, and that would be the Milwaukee Admirals, the Charlotte Checkers, uh, and the Springfield Thunderbirds, who uh, I should mention, go to the Springfield Thunderbirds YouTube page, uh, check out their hype video uh, Mm -hmm. narrated by Doc Emmer. It's it's tremendous. It's very touching. Um, but another big, exciting uh, thing for the weekend was the inaugural games, uh, albeit on the road, haven't had their home opener yet, uh, for the Abbotsford Canucks. Uh, of course, just reminding folks that uh, the Utica Comets are no longer affiliated with the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Vancouver choosing to to move their AHL franchise closer to home and and taking over the arena in Abbotsford uh, and of course Utica now affiliated with the New Jersey Devils. Um, but but Patrick, what was uh, you know it was uh, we know that Abbotsford went one and one on the weekend. They they lost on the road to Bakersfield, but but won against the Rain. Uh, but what was just the general uh, sense, uh, you know, in the Abbotsford Canuck and the AHL? general community about getting another new franchise underway yeah i think it's it's they're excited uh this has been a kind of a long-term goal for for vancouver management and i mean we know one thing about the vancouver canucks really from the day they started in 1970 they've always had to deal with uh, really difficult travel um and that's extended down to their uh, to their ahl situation i mean and even went back when they were in the ihl i mean They've kind of been everywhere at one point or another. They were in, uh, you know, you go back, you know, they were originally Milwaukee when that was an IHL city. Uh, that was the late 80s, early 90s. Then they went to Hamilton in the AHL. That didn't work. They went to Syracuse for a while. Then uh, that that kind of fizzled. And uh, from there, they went to uh, Kansas City, uh, then to Manitoba for quite a while. Then to the Chicago Wolves. <laughs> Then finally to the Utica Comets for uh, a long time. I think longer than maybe anyone expected that that relationship to last simply because of the distance. Uh, and then as it turned out, uh, Utica was a huge success story. And that I think 
kept that relationship going for longer than maybe it would have otherwise. Um, and finally now, 51 years into the Vancouver Canucks existence, they now have what teams all over the league have had for a while. I mean, especially the Eastern teams, you look at Providence, uh, they've been with Boston for 30 years now. Um, Hartford in New York, uh, Bridgeport and the Islanders, uh, Montreal Laval, I mean, Toronto and Toronto, so on and so forth. Well, Vancouver never had that. Vancouver always had to put their players on a plane, uh, usually one, if not two, uh, layovers, uh, 12 to 14 hour travel day. Um, and that's just for the players, never mind for management. Say you're in Vancouver, you want to go check out your players, and now you got to get on a plane, you got to go three time zones away. So everything's just more difficult. Um, you know, you, your games are either early or late, depending on what side of the relationship you're on. Um, you know, you're in different time zones. So, you know, communication becomes a little bit more challenging because, hey, I want to talk to my coach, but, it, you know, it's 9 a.m. 9 in Utica. Um, and I want to call Travis Green in, Tor- in Vancouver, but it's 6 a.m. in Vancouver. So just little things like that, I think, think that maybe people think about necessarily but there there are definitely issues that that come up and now they finally have this this setup that i mean you're an hour away uh the vancouver canucks already had a portion of their training camp in abbotsford and for anybody who's been to that building i mean back when the abbotsford heat played their beautiful facility uh definitely uh high-end ahl caliber and they've actually put some more money into it since then um, so it's it's an ideal setup. I mean, they have now what, let's say, the Philadelphia Flyers have with Lehigh Valley. Um, a farm team an hour or so away. Mm-hmm. You can move players back and forth easily, especially the salary cap age. Uh, and it's not, you know, it just simplifies everything. And, and sure, they have a little bit of travel at the AHL level now to go down to California, go down to uh, Henderson, go to Tucson, Colorado, et cetera. But um, really, it all for all intents and purposes, that's a direct flight. You, you bus to Vancouver Airport, you get on a flight to the L.A. or to San Francisco or, or something like that, and you're there, and then you bus around for a week. And I don't think it's much of a big deal in that regard. So uh, I think um, this is as good as it's ever going to get for the Vancouver Canucks in terms of their setup. Uh, it's a chance to, I think, really solidify their fan base a little bit further, as especially as the NHL teams you know, had some ups and downs the last number of years. So um, I think there's a lot of excitement Um you know, uh, for that Vancouver and right down to Abbotsford as well, because they didn't have a great experience last time uh, with the Heat. Uh, it was a Calgary affiliate, obviously not a very um, natural setup uh, for anybody. And then, you know, the team didn't do very well uh, on or off the ice and uh, kind of fizzled. So now you actually have a chance to kind of have your, 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 your number one NHL team, you know, for fans in that area, have their prospects in there. Uh, and Vancouver certainly went out this summer, spent a lot of money to get high-end AHL veterans. I think it's a team that could definitely make a lot of uh, noise this season uh, and, and certainly, I think, could go pretty far in the playoffs, uh, depending on how the lineup shapes up. Well, and just to support uh, that point about the difficulties that uh, the Canucks franchise had with their prospects, that was exacerbated during uh, the, the the COVID lockdowns and the, and the lockdown mm-hmm. of the border, uh, yes. that they had trouble getting their prospects uh, back and forth, so that that they were loaning their prospects uh, last year to other uh, franchises. 
um, loaning. Um, I, I I don't remember the the, the forward uh, the name in the forward they loaned to the Calgary Flames organization, but they loaned defenseman Guillaume Brisebois uh, mm-hmm. to Montreal to to play in Laval uh, for several games. So uh, that made it even more difficult for them, uh, and and probably was kind of the final straw that that um, uh, that it, that that convinced them to bring uh, their their AHL affiliate uh, much closer to home. And so the weekend, of course, plenty of games, lots of game action this weekend, and already some guys are standing out. Some guys are, are saying, hey, I'm here, take notice. And uh, some of those names are, are familiar. Rick, I know a couple of the ones that, that caught your attention were Peyton Krebs and Jake Edinger. Uh, we've heard those names before. Peyton Krebs with uh, five assists in in two games. Uh, Not a bad start, sitting at the top of the AHL uh, scoring race. Uh, But if you look over the top 20, you see, um, you know, some some veterans in there, sprinkled in there that uh, we know their names. Gabriel Dumont, Chris Terry, Adam Cracknell. Um, You know, uh, it's... uh, Pretty, pretty uh, impressive. Or uh, a new name like a Michael Pizzetta with a goal and three assists uh, uh, for four points. But um, lots of exciting uh, young prospects like Peyton Krebs, like a Seth Griffin uh, in Bakersfield. Um, it's uh, and and um, uh, Jake Edinger was. Uh, uh, just lights out. Two, he allowed two goals on 75 shots in back to back starts against uh, Iowa. Um, Is that good? Uh, that, that's pretty <laughs> darn good. Um, uh, Joe Valeno with the Griffins, three goals in two games. So uh, lots of lots of uh, great performances over the weekend. One of the things that I think is is so interesting is, you know, you have the guys that you that you target as, okay, these are the top prospects in the league. But you love it when when there are guys that you're not expecting to to break through even in that first weekend. Um, and 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 yeah, it it makes it it makes it a lot of fun. Um, Patrick, were there any um, other than the guys that we mentioned, were there was there anyone that really stood stood out to you just over the the course? Was there was there a player or two that that really made a big splash? Well, I think just having some of the the high end prospects coming in, I think that's always you know it's been the HL's calling card. So obviously Krebs is one of those players, but uh, you know you go right down the list, uh, you have a player like Joe Valeno who's. He's in that weird spot right now, like obviously a high high end prospect, but sent down uh, by Detroit, and I think maybe a little bit surprisingly, both to him and uh, to fans, in the, in the sense that uh, they thought he would crack the lineup, and he didn't. And uh, yesterday, I mean, I, I spoke with him Friday after their home opener, and he was pretty forthright in terms of what he needs to do. He needs to work defensively. He also needs to be consistent. They want him down there. To, dominating um not just getting by but dominating and uh so you have a lot of players in that in that uh category which you know for for all the 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 talk about uh the ahl you know either being a league of veterans or you know hot shot young rookies there's a lot of those guys in the middle that 23 24 range where it starts to get into the make or break time and you know, is this going to be a first-round pick or a second-round pick that pans out? 
Or is this going to be uh, one that kind of fizzles and, uh, you know, then you have a player like Josh Hosang kind of trying to find a second life uh, after being a first-round pick of the New York Islanders. And uh, that had its very, uh, very uh, high number of uh, ups and downs uh, through that experience. Now he's in Toronto and he's trying to prove that, hey, I'm not only an AHL player, I'm an NHL player. And so... So a lot of players that, you know, looking for a fresh start. So, and then you have, uh, you know, you have your players coming in like an Alexander Holtz in Utica, first round pick. A um, lot of excitement. Uh, Scott Perunovic in Springfield, a college defenseman. A uh, lot of excitement with him. So it's kind of just, a, it's a real mix of uh, guys at different stations of career. And I think that's what keeps this league interesting is, Every year, it's almost like you hit the reset button, whereas the NHL's, it's more like kind of a serial, um, you know, storyline. Well, this is more just like every year, you know, it starts at, the, you know, at zero, and this is your fresh start. This is your chance to prove, hey, I'm, I'm an NHL player, or, you know, this is probably as far as I'm going to go, so... Um, I find that part the really interesting aspect, uh, just the different uh, points in everyone's career that they're at at this level. And you have guys kind of on their way up, guys on their way down, guys who are somewhere in the middle who are trying to keep their head above water. And um, you have 31 coaches that are, that are trying to uh, help them uh, reach those goals, all trying to win some games in, you know, along the way. So uh, I think that keeps that league, the league very fresh. And, uh, you know, every year it gives you a lot of good storylines. One of the other notables uh, from the weekend, of course, uh, Wednesday night uh, when the puck dropped in Wilkes-Barre against uh, the Penguins uh, hosting the Lehigh Valley Phantoms. Uh, Katie Gay uh, dropping the puck at center ice, uh, being the first uh, among four female officials to debut uh, in the AHL this weekend. Uh, it's a, it's one of those storylines we're hearing more and more often uh, in sports of of uh, women finding new roles in, in professional sports. And so just wanted to say a congratulations to them uh, and uh, good luck to them in their rookie season, I guess. <laughs> um, all right. Well, Patrick, uh, it was an exciting weekend. That is for sure. Um, we thank you for joining us. Uh, under review last week, as we said, if you missed it, be sure you check that out on AHLReport.com. You've got another one coming up for us next week, right? Yes, I do. Absolutely. Um, and it's kind of the place where Patrick gets to put all of his observations and tidbits that he's gleaned from all of his extensive work around the league uh, all week long. Uh, so we look forward to that and we thank you for joining us for another episode of uh, another edition of the AHL hot stove. Thank you. Always a pleasure having Patrick join us uh, on the show, Rick, and uh, never, never disappoints with all of the insight and information he's got from around the league. For sure. So glad to have him as part of our team. Absolutely. And as we said, look out uh, next Wednesday at AHLReport.com. He'll have another, uh, the latest edition of his under review column, uh, where he uh, kind of does a, a free form, just really fun to read uh, latest happenings around the AHL, little tidbits, little quotes, things that he, uh, just nuggets of little treasures from around the league that he digs up uh, throughout the week. So be sure to look for that next week. It's a great column. 
Uh, and with that, uh, we are going to get set for another week of hockey. Uh, you know, the uh, the Canadians and the Flyers are well on their way. Uh, Laval plays on Wednesday night and then hits the road to play in Providence and Bridgeport over the weekend. Lehigh Valley Phantoms uh, are back in action this weekend. Their home opener will be taking place this weekend, which I know fans at the PPL Center will be happy and excited to, uh, to get that underway. Uh, so basically, make sure that you are following at the AHL Report. We'll have coverage of those games. Look for our game recaps uh, and and so on and so forth. And we have got you covered. Uh, and uh, with that, Rick, it's really been it's a it's been a great um, it's been a great week. We had some great interviews, uh, and we've got some more great interviews coming uh, in the next week or two as well that people aren't going to want to miss. Exclusive one on ones. Got some great special guests lined up, and uh, it's going to be fun. One more reminder to subscribe. That's good. You always get that in there. It's very important. (laughs) Uh, Subscribe because we want to see you back here next Tuesday for another great episode of The Press Zone right here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe to never miss an episode of The Press Zone on Rocket Sports Radio. Visit AHLReport.com for the latest news on hockey prospects.